listening to the Lanch J Radio Network. Continuing this week with my series on my alma mater, Oakland University, bringing a lot of people that that I had a chance to to go to school with or, or interact with over the years. We've had some really excellent interviews in this series, and and I wanted to bring in. This is a sports show primarily, but but we do interview a lot of hip hop artists and a lot of musical artists from across the country. So I wanted to I wanted to bring in kind of a change of pace. We've interviewed a lot of female hip-hop artists. We interviewed Lauren Talese. She came on the show. But I've never had anyone that sang at the at the Met, really haven't had any classical, classic opera singer. So I wanted to bring in Makita Hampton, who I've known for a very, very long time. Wanted to give her an opportunity and chat with her about her career. So I wanted to introduce to, to my listeners Makita Hampton, it's great to have you on the show. Hello. What's going on, Makita? What's up, Jay? Thank you, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, I, I greatly appreciate it. Wanted to wanted to wanted to chat with you and and I know that you've had a, a very illustrious and and career singing mm-hmm. singing opera music. And and it's funny because my audience, we've had people on that are that are hip hop stars and 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 spit those yeah. sixteen bars. Um, we've never had anyone on the show that we had R&B singers on the show as well, but we've never had anyone that's done Porgy and Bess or, or performed at the Met or something like that. Wanted to wanted to ask you to yeah. start off. What every time I have an artist on the show, what is the what is the basis of your career? What what made you wanted to want to sing? Did you did you were you eight years mm. old and, and dreaming of being on that stage? Is it something that you found out you had a talent for? As you got a little older, what what is the background of, of your music career? Okay, first of all, I hated singing as a kid. <laughs> I hated singing. Like my mom used to make me and my sister sing at church. You know, a lot of black singers start out in church mm-hmm. and or were either forced to do it, hated it. And it wasn't until I went to our high school alma mater, Ponsford Academy, is when I started um, becoming interested in music and singing through the choir. Um, so yeah, no, it was like a form of punishment to have to sing. So when I told my parents, uh, when I got to college that I thought about, that I was thinking about studying music, they were like, mm, what? <laughs> Where is this coming? So, um, yeah, I actually started out in college in, um, chemistry and math and I was doing a music minor. So, um, it was really my voice teacher um, Dr. Angelique Clay, who is now teaching um, professor of voice at the University of Kentucky, um, so big blue. She was my voice teacher at Oakwood, and she was the one who 
um, inspired me to go ahead and pursue a degree. Um, I was just taking about 30 minutes of voice lessons. And if you know anything about taking any kind of private instruction, it could be sports, it could be anything. Like 30 minutes isn't much of anything. Right. And so she told me, she said, look, you know, I know you're, you're studying chemistry and math and all that, but you have a talent and a skill set that I don't see a lot right now. And I would encourage you to maybe sound with parents, think about it, maybe become a double major. Like, you don't have to drop everything, but think about maybe becoming a double major in music. Then you can get an hour of lessons versus 30 minutes. This is all before the economy tanked in 08 and, you know, there was a little extra <laughs> money that could go around. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll take, some, take on some extra credits and, you know, take, take my credit load to the max. And so that's when I decided to become a double major. Um, and the summer after I became a double major, I was, um, Dr. Clay, she told me about a, a voice program in Austria. And um, I decided to apply. I got into the program. And so I spent six weeks um, in Austria that summer and the following summer. And it was that program kind of coupled with Dr. Clay's advising and me just kind of going hard on, you know, just listening to a lot of classical music, listening to a lot of opera. It was really the summer program that solidified my desire and my my drive to becoming a, a classical singer, you know, professionally. You know, my family is very musically inclined. You know, my grandfather played the violin. Um, my grandmother played organ. And, you know, I have different family members who sing and do, you know, play different instruments, but no one's ever done it professionally. So I'm the first, um, you know, professional musician of my family. And, you know, I... It, it's just it's been a crazy ride and I you know I, I don't know if I could see myself doing anything else Wow. So that's a, that's, I'm always, I'm always very intrigued about people rather it's a hip hop artist, R and B artist, a, a classical trained singer such as yourself. What, what compelled them to start? So basically you said that you, you didn't fall out of the womb singing like some of the people that, that I've talked to on this radio show. They were seven years mm -hmm. old. They knew that they wanted to do this. You grew up in the church singing as I think 95% of the people that have been on the show, even the hardcore hip hop rappers said that they started their music career going to church as as young people's i'm i'm I'm, I'm curious so you you go through oakwood and then you obviously matriculate what was your next step in in education because music is such a competitive environment especially mm -hmm. the classically trained you know you talk about going to austria and being overseas what was your next step after getting your your undergraduate degree where did you go next in your training to okay. to, to be ultimately where you are now so this actually, this transition happened while I was at Oakwood. Um, I, it was my senior year. And um, if you're familiar with any kind of music programs, we have things called master classes. And so the music department brought in that year, maybe about four to five different artists in residence throughout the school year. And one particular artist, her name is Laquita Mitchell, who is um, uh, an American soprano, a wonderful career. She was a, um, a colleague of one of the voice professors there. She came in and she 
did a recital, a short recital, and she did a master class with um, with some of the some of the juniors and seniors. And um, actually, I was on the not the waiting list. What do you call it? Alternate. I was an alternate um, to sing because I signed up late. Uh, probably running the streets doing something. Not really running the streets. Um, nonetheless, I was late signing up, so they put me on the alternate list to be the last person to sing if there was still time left over. And so um, I sang for her, and she was like, wow, like, one, I'm glad that you got to sing because I see you here as an alternate, but two, what are you doing next year? Are you going to grad school? Um, because you should. And she's a very, like, direct person. And if she means, if she says something, she, she really means it. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm applying to places. I missed a couple of deadlines. And she said, um, have you considered um, Westminster Fire College in Princeton, New Jersey? And I said, you know, I've heard of it. And, you know, I, I started the, you know, the application, you know, it was kind of unfinished. And she said, you need to finish it today. And when you finish it and submit it, let me know so that I can send you in a recommendation because that's my alma mater. I was like, okay. And I felt very strongly about, you know, her going to advocate for me because the I remember the deadline was, was right around the corner. It was springtime, you know, it was like one of the few um, programs that was still open for um, application submissions. And, um, so I told her, I emailed her, I said, look, I, I, I thank you for your time. And I submitted the application. And a few hours later, I got a forwarded email from um, the voice chair at the time, who eventually wanted to be my voice teacher, and with the recommendation of from Laquita Mitchell uh, attached at the bottom. And so I was like, man, like people are kind of going hard for me right now. I don't even know what's going on. All I did was sing my little song at the, you know, and I guess the thing that, that baffled me was I didn't have any kind of reference other than my summer program, you know, at Oakwood, you know, a lot of people are good. Everybody's kind of good together. And so when, when people from the outside kind of hear you, it's like, Sometimes we don't know how to handle their accolades or how impressed they are with us. And I didn't, I received it, but I did not understand what was going on. And I was just like, well, I'm just going to try to do what these people are telling me to do right now until I can put a, a grasp on what's happening. So um, the voice teacher at Westminster emailed me. She's like, look, you know, I, I see that you have some schedules for your audition. Um, come and have a voice lesson with me and, you know, we'll chat when you get here. So I went and did the audition. Um, I'm trying to think if I applied from other places. I also applied to the University of Kentucky. That's another story. So for my master's, I applied and um, also got in. So I got into both Westminster and University of Kentucky. And uh, I chose to go to, to Westminster because one, it was closer to home. You know, um, and Princeton is about a 90-minute drive and maybe a 70-minute train ride um, to New York City. And I really wanted to be in a place where I could at least be close to an art club. You know, I was in Huntsville, and then going to Kentucky just seems to be, like, it just 
didn't seem right to go further into middle America when I really wanted to be closer to an art club. So um, Westminster became the place that kind of polished the technique and the technical stuff that I learned at Oakwood. Mm. Um, Oakwood is a fabulous place to do your, to do like ground, hard technical work. And because um, you know, you, you've heard the, the singers come from Oakwood, especially the concert singers. And, you know, it's as small as Oakwood is, the teaching and at least in the music department is, is yeah, the talent, the talent, the talent is absolutely off the charts. It's funny because yeah. I, I've, I've, one of the things that I've really realized during this series in speaking first, what jumps off the page is the humility, whether I'm talking to yourself or, or talking to Ricky Cord or talking to Nika Sampson, there's so much humility. Everybody said that, Hey, those, those other people I was competing against were so talented and there was so much talent at Oakwood, just the uh, humble spirit. But the other thing is that, Although Oakwood, when we were there, maybe had 2,000 students, if that, you can wrangle up 250 mm -hmm. people at Oakwood very easily that can really sing. And I'm not talking about mm -hmm. just can carry a tune. I'm talking about people that can read music, yeah. people that can play music, mm -hmm. people that can sight sing. I mean, even someone such as myself, who's a novice, sang in Aeolians for four years and, and toured and took voice directly from Dr. Mallory himself. Um, mm -hmm. And you just don't find that at, at many other schools. It's it's almost, I make no. a comparison to, to Motown in the early 1960s where you just had talent oozing um, out, out of the building and, and so many people that... that it's I, ridiculous. Yeah, just, I used to sing in a group with Jason Ferdinand and Jeremy Winston and to see what they're doing <laughs> right now. It's just, it's just yeah, laughable. Yeah. It's laughable yeah, to see what they're mm -hmm. doing, uh, but it's also laughable that, that someone... Uh, such as myself, who who is a, a moderate talent on his best day, uh, was was on the same stage with them. I wanna I wanna switch the conversation up a little bit because it's yeah. a sports show, yeah. uh, so I wanna talk about oh, right, a little right. bit of sports. I think that you play ball at Pine Forge, if I'm not mistaken. I wasn't at Pine I Forge when you were did. at Pine Forge, but I think you play ball at Pine Forge. Now, do you have do you have any skill? I mean, we all know that you that you're doing the porgy and bass and singing the coloratura notes that 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 are way off the piano. But what what was your game like? We know what your game is like on the microphone and on stage in front of ten thousand people. What is your game like between the lines and and from do you do you got a mid range? Uh, are you a mid range jumper? Are you a ball handler? What what was your game? So at Pine Forge, I was a point guard and starting point guard. Had that. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, let me see. I did ride the bench my freshman year, but you know how that goes. Everybody so rides the bench their freshman year. Uh, yeah. You're supposed <laughs> to ride the bench your freshman sophomore, year. Sophomore, uh, senior year, I was point guard, and uh, we went to the playoffs my junior year. I can't even remember. So what were you the, were um, you a were you a shoot first point guard? Were you were you a James Harden shoot first point guard, or were you a distribution Chris Paul? passing the rock around, uh, making sure that your sisters get, get buckets. Like what, what was your type of game? No, I passed it around. I was very, um, I was very, uh, gracious with the ball, but my, I mean, give it to me, give it to me outside the line. I got the three right there. Oh, so we had to have the wet three. Yeah. Very, 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 very wet nice. three in a, in a, in a clean, a clean layup. Very, very nice. What do you think? I'm curious. Cause you're up, you're up near, New York City, right across the river. Mm -hmm. What do you mm -hmm. think about with this COVID-19? What do you think about just conceptually 
with sports? Should we have sports? Is sports this something that's needed right now? Are you looking forward to seeing the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles playing this fall with no pl- with no fans in the stands? Or do you feel that, hey, right now um, everybody is just really focused on staying healthy and taking care of their loved ones and keeping their job and managing their income? Sports is not really something that's paramount at this juncture. You know, I, I've been a passive sports watcher, watcher, especially this season, you know, because, you know, the net, we had the net this right. whole fall season and right. half of, and up through February. So I've just been, you know, like second staff and, you know, just being who wants. So I, I hate that everybody is out of their job right now, but yeah. I definitely think we need time before masses um, come back together at least in terms of like arenas and stadiums. And that, and that actually affects me too, because all of my venues are over the 10 people limit. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I just want this to be over and cleared out so that it can, you know, everybody can get back to their, to their jobs and to their, um, you know, to their lives. So, I mean, I can see, I can see an empty stadium, but I definitely know what it's like to have an audience right. there in that energy. So, I mean, that's a performance too. So I, 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 I get it. And, you know, I think we should kind of wait a little bit before things clear out. What do you do? What do you do, Makita? What do you do to keep your voice in shape during this time? I mean, I know that individuals like yourself, your voice is your instrument. It's, it's like you're an athlete taking care of your body. You're taking care of your voice. I mean, you have to always be prepared for what comes next. Are you on TikTok singing or are you doing Instagram live videos? Do you have a keyboard at home that you're, that you're banging out the notes and singing? What do you, what do you do to keep your voice intact during this time? Um, right now, I, I think it's just staying healthy. That's actually the best thing you can do. And, um, I don't really like the live, the singing online a lot is not really my thing. It's just, I mean, it wouldn't be my thing if there were no COVID. It's like I'll post like performances, pre recorded (laughs) performances, but like just kind of popping up on live kind of goes against my my introverted nature. It's like a total no no. (laughs) Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely, I'm always a, a person who has like, has to be planned in advance to do kind of that. But, um, you know, I think just being in, being healthy, not um, eating all kinds of crazy stuff. And I think the biggest thing is like staying hydrated mm. and making sure I have my humidifier going and, mm. you know, not getting the voice dried out. But that's it's super essential, like, in, in the weeks leading up to a performance. So, Yeah. How has the quarantine in general been for you? You mentioned that you're an introvert. I've I've been also intrigued about how people have managed quarantine. I've said on this show that I was under quarantine for more than a year back in 20, 2010, 2011. And by day 90, I had imaginary friends. I was watching Martin, and I thought that I was hanging out with Martin <laughs> and Pam. Like, it really, it really starts to wear on you mentally over over the time. How, yeah. how is it? But I'm an I'm an extrovert. I love crowds. I love being around people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I just if I would I would be talking to random people at CVS if they didn't have social distancing out here in Arizona where I live. How has the quarantine been for you? Do you do you get a chance to do some introspection? Are you reading a lot? What are what are you doing during the quarantine? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm actually pretty cool. You know, I have a couple of group chats that I'm in, you know, video group chats, you know. Now that I've switched over to the Apple life, I've got FaceTime and, you know, talk to my parents and my grandparents. Um, just catching up on shows. And, I mean, I, there are a, couple, a, day, a few days here and there that I'm just like, oh, okay, this, right. is, this, is, this sucks. Right. Um, you know, because usually I like to, after I've had enough of my own self, you know, just driving around or going to the mall or something, that's like enough human interaction right. aside from, you know, performing and working. Right. But, you know, I'm generally okay. But now, when you know, I can't travel to like Maryland or Delaware to see my parents or, you know, my, my grandparents are in Philly. So, you know, it's just like the little, the smaller chunks of, of interaction that I am with. Absolutely. Well, the final question that I have, and I, I really, really appreciate you doing a great interview Makita, and and if you if you haven't seen Makita Hampton, um, I know that she has her own website, MakitaHampton.com, and that's spelled M-A-K-E-D-A-1-A, Hampton.com. It really goes, it runs the gamut. It shows the whole list of her performances, those that she's done overseas, uh, the Porgy and Bess, which I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. Believe it or not, Makita, when I was at Pine mm-hmm. Forge, I did Porgy and Bess with Joanne Jeanette. Fortunately, that's wow. not on tape. <laughs> Uh, but I did the best you as my woman now. I did the Porgy and Best and Joanne Jeanette. Yeah. did that with her. We had, we, me and my friends had laughs and jokes on that for, for many, 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 many years. Um, so Porgy and Best has always been something that's near and dear to my heart. But, but the last question I wanted to ask you, what is the difference between a coloratura soprano and just a regular mm-hmm. soprano? Um, for those that that are okay. listening in the audience that want to know, when you have that label of coloratura, what what is the branding mm-hmm. of coloratura that that sets you aside from a typical soprano singer? Okay, so in the classical world, um, you have the giant umbrella of soprano. So that is a specific range of pitches that well, what we call the tessitura. That is a specific tessitura or the range of that particular singer. So it can go down from like, let's say, A below middle C all the way up to like F or G6, which is like above high C. You can have like a a span of a two-octave range, and that is like the general soprano range. And then so the different types of sopranos can be like subsets of that, that larger umbrella. So, coloratura soprano is typically a soprano who has who doesn't have as much weight in the voice as ah. maybe like a, a dramatic soprano or like a full lyric soprano. So you could even have like a lyric coloratura, which is kind of what I'm growing into right now. So it's like full some fullness in the voice, but you have your body also a lot, a lot of ability, and it's just it's this type of repertoire that you sing which is like a lot of fast passages or it's kind of like if you think of somebody who, who likes a lot of runs, but you have other gospel singers who can't do runs at all, but they can do a couple. So Tomorosaur is someone who just has a lot of agility to sing like fast passages and um, in the voice. Everything um, that you said so was, was, have, was completely yeah. over my head. Oh, okay. So uh, let's see. Let me see if I can give an example real quick. Um, who would be? Who would you say if you broke it down, Makita? Mm-hmm. 
Who would you say if you yeah. were if you were analyzing people that sing in not is it only the classical realm or are there people that have that same level of range that sing R and B music or rock music? Okay, who could I? I at the closest person I could probably compare that to is maybe Mariah Carey. I was about to say that. Okay. Um. Yeah, but it's not just the range; it's the it's the repertoire that has a lot of fast, um, agile, like a, a lot of moving passages, a lot of notes that you have to sing in a short amount of time. Oh, okay. Okay. Like oh, kind of like that versus. I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to use that as a sound bite on on my commercials, which, which you've seen. But uh, <laughs> I really appreciate the interview, Makita. That was a great interview. Um, thank you, thank you so much for for coming in. Oh, no problem. Uh, for for mm-hmm. what you guys are doing with music, you know, thoughts and prayers out to you. I know that I'm very fortunate. I've been able to continue to to do my job from from home during this time. But there's so many people that are dependent and contingent on on being able to fill up arenas and, and being able to fill up venues and then just, you know, doing what you do, it's, it's really hard, if not impossible to do with social distancing. So um, mm-hmm. we just look forward to the time where this COVID-19 is over and we have a vaccine yeah. or we have some effective treatment and we can get you back out mm-hmm. on that stage. And, and I'm praying for, for everybody I know that's in this situation um, that your funds are straight and that your families are straight and that you're able to get back uh, to doing what God puts you on this earth to do as soon as possible. So thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. This is fun. All right. Stay, All right. stay Thanks, healthy, James. Nikita. All right. We'll do. You too. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. We cannot teach grown people new tricks. Nah, you gotta get we into the, to, to we, the have to, we, we have to change the culture. And the reason the reason why we have to change the culture because it needs to change. So I'm in I'm in the school for two weeks. I'm ha- I had my first test. They get graded tomorrow. Um, I'm teaching them the culture about putting playlists together mm. like a mixtape, make their own mixtape. The best mixtape gets a platinum record or some headphones. That's dope. James Lewis. You cranks. know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you get them, you get yeah. them cranks? Yeah. So Plug or, for cranks. Or, 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 or video game, because they've got some gamers. All right. You know, I got some students, and I got 20 students. Boom. I get a call from School of Hip Hop. Again, they want you to go to ASU and teach a curriculum class. Wow. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. I see you favor a 45. Tonight I do. And I keeps one in the chamber in case you ponder it. Nice showpiece you got there. Walther, PPK, 380, double action. Hit them Walters like to jump some. As will you, with one in your elbow. That gun ain't got enough firepower to make my joint useless. It definitely won't stop me from emptying out half my mag. You might not hit me. This range? And this caliber? Even if I miss, I can't miss. I admire a man with confidence. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network.
FreeAgentRadio.com. Free to play what we want. Free to say what we want. FreeAgentRadio.com. Beat rocked and drop the beat. You're listening to the Lance J Radio. Okay, let's begin. I love you to death, cousin. <laughs> What's going on with you, bro? It's that return of that 12, buddy. You know, it all started from Heavy D. He started, you know, everything. And I was basically under him. And, you know, he believed in what I was doing and stuff. And we worked together and experimented and, you know, decided to, you know, you know, do music together. 